Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. This is our 2022-23 season review episode In case anyone's wondering, I did not do a Sampdoria review pod. There wasn't a whole lot to review really from the match itself, so I gave myself a few days off instead. I figured, you know, most of the people that listen to the show, other than maybe us four that are going to be on the pod, and I'll introduce our guests in a second, we all have FOMO, but the rest of the Napoli community was actually in Napoli, so what am I going to tell them about what was going on (laughs) for that match? But I do have the pleasure of being joined by a couple of fantastic guests to help me out with the season review. I'll start right here at home with the president of the Napoli Club Toronto, Carmina Guadagno. Welcome back. Thanks, Joe. It's been a while, but I'm glad to be back. I love coming on here, talking to Napoli with you guys, so it's good to be back. No, it's a pleasure, and you're absolutely right. It's, I mean, it's probably been far too long for all of you guys, really. So that's on me. My bad. I'll, I'll try to be better next season. <laughs> Let's go to New York for our next couple of guests where uh, Carmen and I sent all of our smog. First, <laughs> we have one half of the Raf and Raf rant, or the Napoli rant, actually. Ralph Pizzato, welcome back. Ciao, Joe. Ciao, everybody. First of all, good to be back. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be here. And I feel like I'm I'm surrounded by royalty right now. You know, I have, well, we didn't introduce the next guest, but certainly royalty. And it's a pleasure to be here with everybody. No, and, and thanks and for the smog, by the way. You know, I don't know <laughs> if anybody can hear it. I am clogged, guys. I'm clogged. Like the bar was like dark red, you know, like Torino <laughs> red, you know, like... <laughs> It didn't even sound healthy. You just said, don't go outside. You know, like, just don't. For anyone who's not in North America and has no idea what we're talking about, there's been forest fires in different parts of Canada. And because of the wind, it blew all the smog to New York. So you might have seen pictures of New York that looks like a yellowy orange hue. <laughs> but we're hoping that's going to be cleared up in, right. in the next couple of days. Our final guest, but certainly not the least of the three, is the vice president of the Tri-State Napoli Club. Peter Scala, welcome back. Well, thank you for having me. I will say, as somebody from New Jersey, it was quite the insult that you just said New York. Uh, we're separate states. <laughs> but I'll give you a pass. You're from Canada. You, you wouldn't know that necessarily. Oh. But it is nice to be on here, not following Monopoly loss. I think this is my first time that I've been on after Anopoly win and we won the Scudetto, so the ultimate win. So that's nice. Oh, my sincere apologies on the, the New Jersey thing. You know, up here, we just think you guys are all in New York. I mean, so aren't, I you, aren't you a Yankees fan? <laughs> How dare you? Oh. <laughs> 
All right. So, uh, let me just, before we get into uh, how we're going to do this, uh, let me just, just sort of explain what we're going to do today. So the way I'm going to frame this episode is we are going to hand out or go over our nominees for what I'm going to call the Forts and Napoli Awards. So for each category, I might suggest some nominees or I might just open it up to you guys to make your own nominations and then we'll discuss, you know, we're not going to actually award any awards today. What I'll do is after the pod, I'll, you know, take this discussion into consideration and then I will post some polls on Twitter and, and we'll let the Napoli community decide who the winners of the awards are. So Let's get right into it. Our first award is going to be for the best signing of the season. I've got four players to nominate that I think we'll probably all agree on. In alphabetical order by surname, they are Hvicha Karaschelia, Kim Min Jae, Giacomo Raspadori, and Giovanni Simeone. Pete, let's start with you. Who was the best signing for Napoli for you this season? I'm going to have to go with Simeone, not just because he, quote, tweeted us for one of... A goal situ- uh, celebrations for the club. Sure, but- sure. <laughs> it does. It does definitely help sway. I will say, but you know, the past couple seasons we haven't had a good backup for Victor, and he did get hurt for a little stretch of time. It didn't really affect us, obviously, but to have a quality player like him in the back, I felt took a lot of pressure off Napoli as far as the backup goes, and you didn't have to r- rush Victor back because you had Simeone there who scored, I don't know, 20 goals for Verona last year. So if you have a player that can get that high of goal tally on a bad team, we saw what he did. He scored a lot of clutch goals for us. So I have to go with Simeone. That's a very good argument for Simeone, actually. Probably not someone that everyone would necessarily have as their top, but I like it. Carm, who do you have as your uh, signing of the season? I mean, I think it has to be the obvious pick, Ug Ficek Faratskelia. For a couple of reasons. First of all, the amount of money that we paid for, a, to me, a, a future Ballon d'Or winner player. He is that good. 15 million euros, and you do not find that kind of bargain for that kind of player anywhere in Europe. Anywhere. And it's almost impossible that we to find something like that, and it's really a diamond in the rough. And if you look at his stats from this season, led the league in assists. I think he has one of the top key passes per game. He has something like two key passes per game, meaning that he's creating a lot of chances. A lot of the reason that Victor and Victor had an amazing season by himself for completely other reasons, but a lot of the reasons why Victor was scoring goals is because Kvaratskhelia was servicing him those balls for him to get on the end of. And also not even just his work offensively, but even his work defensively. You see game in and game out, he was hustling back on that left wing to help support the left back and make pretty important tackles, whether it be in Champions League, in the league, even when they're playing like the last five games, those friendlies basically that we played after we had Tyru Dinese, he was still playing with some pretty decent intensity. What I like about him the most too is that he doesn't complain about anything. He's just head down, hard work, get on the field, get off the field, get to the next game. There's no BS involved with him. He doesn't complain. He doesn't blow things out of proportion he just knows what he has to do gets the job done and looks forward to the next thing so looking at what he does on the field and his mentality on and off the field especially at something at the left wing position is something we haven't seen and it's refreshing and all this combined Fadis Kelly has to be the best signing okay yeah he certainly caught everybody off guard probably ourselves included I don't think anybody expected him that, you know, we all knew the potential that was there. We heard the stories. We saw the YouTube kind of highlight reels. But I don't think anyone saw this coming, you know, from a guy coming from, even if it was, let's say, Russia via Georgia. Biz, you're up next. Both my uh, colleagues here made great points about Simeone. It's true that Napoli barely had a decent backup striker. So I thought that was an important signing. So I like what Pete said. And, and Carmine, you know, hit it on the head with Cavada as far as, I mean, we just signed this unknown from a small league for very little money. And now he's he's the MVP of the league. I mean, that's got to be uh, definitely worth saying he's one of the best signings. But I'm going to just call an audible since they picked two really good players. And I'm, I like to 
always bet on the penny stocks, you know, Joe. So I like to buy in early, and that's what I'm going to do here. And I'm going to say Raspadori for best signing, not because of this year, even though he did help, he did score some goals, he did help create chances. But I think what he could do in the future, I think he is going to be like, could possibly be like Mertens 2.0 or like the second coming of Mertens in some ways, maybe not as far as character, but as far as player. I think he has good vision. He's young Italian too, so that's important for us. He, he could end up being on the national team and, and doing things there too. So I'm going to pick Raspadori as the best signing, but not because of this season, but in the upcoming seasons. I feel like if we unlock this kid and he can show his true potential, he's going to be a very important player on this team, especially now with Zelinski getting a little older and things and, and looking for somebody creative is important for Napoli in the middle behind the striker. And I think this is the guy. So I'm picking Raspadori. Interesting. Yeah. He, in terms of the positions he plays, very similar to Mertens, right? Like started out as a winger, can play as a, a false nine or as right. a, a true nine, I guess, in a way, you know, same sort of stature. He seems to score every time he plays. So yeah, three great arguments there. For me, it's going to be between Cavada and Kim. I mean, Simeone and Raspadori were fantastic additions to the team, and they made a ton of important contributions. Raspadori scored winners against Spezia and Juve, of course. Simeone scored winners against Milan, Cremonese, Roma. They combined for eight goals and three assists, I believe, in the Champions League. For guys that are our backup strikers, that is incredible production. But at the same time, they were mostly used as substitutes, whereas Kim and Cavada were playing just about week in, week out, regular starters. Kim won best defender in the league. As you mentioned, Cavada won the MVP. For me, it's a coin flip, but I actually, and, I'm, and this is not just me trying to pick the other option. I was genuinely going to go with Kim. So we have four different four different choices for our first award, which is great. I mean, I really wanted to pick Cavada, Joe, but <laughs> <laughs> just to switch we're, it up a little bit. We're you 10 know? minutes in, you're already pulling back the curtain. There. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Before we move on, let's all of these signings, we can't mention them without talking about Cristiano Giuntoli. For a while now, the media have been reporting that he's agreed to terms with Juventus, but it seems like De Laurentiis doesn't want him to go, or at the very least, he's going to kind of stall this for as long as he can. Pete, are you concerned about the likely departure of the architect of the Scudetto winning season? Concern's a bit of a strong word. I wouldn't go that far because concern also means worry. I'm not worried about the future of Napoli. However, when you have this much turnover the year after you win the Scudetto, it's certainly cause for concern. But overall, no, I wouldn't say that I'm worried if Juntoli goes. You know, he's yes, he's the head, but he's not the only one there making decisions. And we've had other directors bring in key players who almost got us there. So not major concern out of me. Okay, I think that's fair. And we've been linked to some potentially very good replacements. I, I really like Pietro Accardi, even though I don't know so much about him, just looking at what Empoli have done recently. I think it's Polito at, at Bari. That's been another name that, that we've been linked to. So there's some options there. Now with guys, I, I really hope it's not Ilitare, who's kind of his name's been thrown into the mix, maybe Masada now. Suddenly the the DS market has become just as much of, uh, just as interesting, I guess you could say, as the coaching market. Okay, let's move on to the best player award. So there's going to be a couple repeat nominees here with Cavada and Kim, and I think probably similar arguments that have already been made for them. The other two that I threw into the mix, and I welcome other suggestions because there could well be, but I have Stanislav Lobotka and, of course, Victor Osiman as other nominees. Biz, I'll come to you first on this one. Boy. Best player this year. I want to say the whole team, you know, just because they really were so great. 18 goal scorers this season. I mean, everybody contributed. How do you pick the best player? You know, we have the beast of the match at the Napoli ran. And and it's it was so difficult this season. It's like you can almost give it to anybody. Would you happen to know off the top of your head who won the beast of the match most often? Um, kind of almost like a player of the month award for the league, right? We know Cavada won it three times. Yeah, I would say Cavada, Osinhem, probably the top two. I'm not sure, three is close, 
but definitely those two. Kim makes it third. Kim, I think, yeah, Kim and Jay probably is up there as, as well. Zambo and Guisa did great in the beginning of the season. Yeah. He won beast of the quarter. So, but man, I'm I'm gonna pick Osin him as the best player because he's been my favorite player. He's been on the team now a couple seasons and he's constantly had to prove himself. He took over this year. I think in large part that he had a good support cast this, you know, with the mass exodus over the summer market and these new fresh legs coming in. The team now kind of became Osinhems, you know, despite all the other players' contributions. But the team kind of became Osinhems and, you know, best striker of the league he won, most goals of the season. He did great. I thought he could have gotten more assists. We missed a few shots from passes that came from him. His air victor leaps for headers coming off a broken orbital was just amazing, and I'm happy for the kid. So I'm going to go with Victor. I think it's going to be hard to argue against that, even though Kavada won the MVP award. I suggested this on the last pod as well, that I wonder how much of that is just the way Sadia kind of awards their awards where it's they kind of lay out all the players on the table and say, okay, we want to make sure all of these guys get awards and slot them into the right categories. Carm, who do you have as our best player this season? So Ozyman's like, he's close. And I, I think I would have picked him too. And he's close. There's another player that I like just a little bit more. And not to discredit Ozyman. Ozyman, you can see from the past, from when he first came to Napoli a couple of seasons back to where he is now, he's grown exponentially in his game. His touch, his shot, his attacking IQ, his positioning, even his heading. like Everything has just been – he was really raw when he came in, and now it's all starting to get ironed out. And you can see like the player that he is. 100%. Yeah. But, but Lozano was just that slight. I know, right? Like, how could I not <laughs> of all of <laughs> and Fada won the MVP, but there was games where he was, you know, the defense got him figured out. Fada was kind of a little bit isolated. He was a little bit of a ghost sometimes. But the person who had never, I had this entire season, never ghosted a game, Stanislav Lobotka. Yep. Anislav Lobotka for consistently 38 matches played every match perfectly. I've never seen him play a bad match yet. And I love comeback stories. To me, he's the Rudy of Napoli. Under Gattuso, he was he was Did you think Demi came in and laid down his jersey? He's like, he can have my position, coach. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like you can see Lobo when he was under Gattuso, he kind of looked like me. He had a little bit of a guts, you know. He, he couldn't really move around on the pitch, and then all of a sudden, Spalletti comes in. He turns into the next Iniesta. He wins every ball, whether it be a tackle he makes or just understanding when to get between ball and man, turn around and reconstitute the ball and start the attack again. He's the brains of the operation, and I think without a player like Stanislav Lobotka, Napoli couldn't be as successful. They probably could have been so successful, but Lobotka is really what makes this team special. He's the brains of the operation, and that's why I think he's the best player. Yeah, you mentioned Spalletti. We'll talk about the coaches later, but we could probably just give all the awards to Spalletti, right? Because you almost feel like none of these guys do what they did without Spalletti pulling the strings. Pete, who is your uh, best player this season? You know, out of all the questions that you laid out to us, this one was, I think, the hardest. There's a bunch of players you could give it to. Victor for all of his goals. The homer in me wants to see Zelensky, but that's not actually true. Honestly, I was going to pick Labulka, but I'm going to go Di Lorenzo because Ooh. for so long we've talked about problem with Napoli is there's no leadership or the lack of good leadership. You know, we've talked about it in Cine and, you know, could he handle the captaincy? So this year, Di Lorenzo, he's been there a little bit. He became the captain, and he was the same honestly, the same player he was before he got it. He's just been steady. You always know what you're going to get out of him. He never puts in a bad shift, and he seemed to just command respect from the players. You know, Whenever there was any incident, he would always be first to go to the referee, as the captain should, and I just felt like it starts at the head. He's the first player, so that's who I give it to. 
shame on me for not even including the yeah that wasn't on the list joe i should have <laughs> i mean i feel really bad about this <laughs> that is a fantastic Left argument the captain, <laughs> yeah no and and what a captain he was right especially oh, when God. it was getting where we kind of knew we were going to win the scudetto but we just couldn't push it over that line he was like our best attacking player too <laughs> so yeah 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 that finish was crazy so yeah great pick there this one is so hard, I think, also because guys play different roles, right? And it almost depends on how you assess the way they contribute. I think, especially with the Serie A awards, they're always going to lean towards attacking players because they score right. goals, right? Joe, can um, I ask you a question? Yeah. Real quick, was Di Lorenzo our best right wing this season? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think you can make a really strong case. That I think won, so, honestly. too. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so for me, when I assess this type of category, like one of the questions I ask myself is who would have the greatest impact if you took them out of the lineup, which is an interesting one, because the answer would probably not be Osiman if you did that, not because Osiman's not amazing. He was incredible, but because we have the most depth at that position, probably of any other position. So when I look at it that way, I almost think it's either Kim or Lobotka just because of the lack of depth in their respective positions. We are so dependent on them. I thought I was going to be the hipster by picking Lobotka, but everyone kind of uh, jumped on the Lobotka ship. And and good for him, too, because he got snubbed by Serie A for the midfielder award. We'll make sure he gets some some recognition here. We've mentioned Kim a couple of times already in the first two categories. We know that there's a good likelihood he's going to be leaving now. There's He's heavily linked to Manchester United who are probably going to pay his bio clause somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to 60 million euros. Carm, how are you feeling about the possibility of losing Kim only a season after we lost Koulibaly? I don't feel great about it. <laughs> I understand why he wants to leave. Kim is 27? Mid-20s, let's say. Mid-20s. And he's just having his breakout now when a lot of players of Kim's caliber – who have more opportunity are breaking out at a younger age so they can have more luxury to stay longer at a club, you know, and then explore later on in their career. Kim doesn't really have that luxury. He's coming up close to mid to late twenties. He wants to make his move. He just had his breakout career. I understand it to me though. It's the fact that this team has been built to last. It's been built to be successful for the next at least five years, in my eyes, minimum. And Kim could have been a central role in that project. Apart from the fact that he's a, a great defender, but he also has a little bit more experience than younger guys on the squad. He can mentor Ostigard, who is still young, I think he's like 22 or something like that, and really help attract more signings, defensive signings in the future with him at the helm much like what Koulibaly would have done and act as a leader role, as like a vice captain or something. But I understand it. I mean, like his dream is to play in the Premier League, and if a Premier League comes knocking at your door for 60 million euros and I think 150K a week, I mean, I guess. You know, I can't... I can't Nobody be would be mad at yeah. getting your salary doubled, you know. Yeah, literally. I mean, <laughs> like, I'd go. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. It left a bitter taste in my mouth. We won the league. You know, winning the league in Napoli is not going to be like winning the league in Manchester. It's two completely different things. Right now, he's venerated as a demigod in Napoli. And then when he, if he wins the league with Manchester, to me, it's just like he's another uh, part in the cog, right? He's just like another number that eventually will get turned out. But it's his choice at the end of the day, and I can understand why he wants to do it. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, especially for defenders, they're not going to get as many opportunities to cash in as, as strikers might or even midfielders. So, But you're right. I think for a lot of Napoli fans, it does leave a bitter taste in your mouth because he was embraced, right? And you also kind of wonder, we'll see well, what happens. You know, the same thing with whether it's Osiman or Cavada. But one of our marketing strategies was to bring people in from different countries and we see like entire fan bases develop out of that. And I'm curious to see if those fan bases go away with the players as they leave or if they kind of remain Napoli fans. 
we've been linked to a number of potential replacements for Kim. I'll just kind of list them off. I'll be honest. I don't, I'm not familiar with most of these guys. I'm only familiar with the ones that play in Serie A, but Kevin Danzo is highly rated from Lens. David Hanko from Feyenoord. Ko Itakura from Borussia Mönchengladbach. Hiroki Ito from Stuttgart. Nikola Milenkovic from Fiorentina. Giorgio Scalvini from Atalanta. Urien Timber from Ajax. And Pau Torres again from Villarreal. So there's lots of options out there. I do feel like as important as Kim was for us, that it is a bit easier to replace a central defender than, say, your number nine, which are in higher demand. Although it also depends on the style you play, right? If Italiano comes in, let's say, to be the coach and plays as aggressively as he does, Kim would have been the perfect defender to have because he's so quick and can get back there. So that would be a, a bit of a tough loss if, if someone like that comes in. But I guess you know we'll have to see what system we play. Let's move on to a bit of a lighter subject. For this one, I'm just going to ask for one word answer so we can uh, save a bit of time and then we'll we'll go on to the next one. But this is our favorite kit of the season. Napoli is probably the only club that can even do this type of award because we produce so many. <laughs> but the ones that I've kind of highlighted, you know, of course, we released a Halloween kit for the second consecutive season. This year we introduced a Christmas kit, although I hesitate. Trash. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I hesitate to even include it because it wasn't actually worn in a professional match. We just wore them during that kind of weird. I can't believe they made adult sizes for that thing. I I can't believe. I know. Only Fran brought them. Fran would (laughs) buy. Clip art. (laughs) The clip art kit, yeah. We did a Valentine's Day kit as well this year. And then, of course, there were the regular kits and the Champions League kits and and then about 37 new ones for the, the parties at the end of the season. Carm, what was your favorite kit this season? Fran got all those. The uh, Gianluca Gaetano face kits. <laughs> yeah. The Kevin De Bruyne of Chimitile. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, my favorite kit probably would have to be – I'm kind of torn. There's two of them. I like the away kit this year. Mm-hmm. My first one, just simple away kit. I kind of liked – I don't know. It grew on me. The Halloween one, kind of like that one too. Actually, I think a lot of people really like the Halloween kit. I don't think that's like a hot take by any stretch. It's following that spider one from last season. That's a tough act to follow, you yeah. know. So that bat kit had a lot riding on it. I, I guess it hit. I liked the blue they used for that kit. Yeah, it was a little bit different than the sort of standard Napoli blue. Yeah, Pete, what do you got? So I would say probably the away kit. The white away kit was my favorite. It would be the Valentine's Day kit if it wasn't for the uh, big the, lips. The, the big lips and the thing. <laughs> Napoli need more red jerseys. The yes. Napoli red jerseys are cool. Yeah, the red jerseys always bang. They did it last season, so there was a good chance they didn't do it this season. Biz, what about you? I'm gonna go with the classic blue man. The classic home kit. Maybe like my alt favorite kit would probably be the kiss one. I don't know. Like, that kind of grew on me too for some reason. But the blue on this year's jersey was great. The sublimation of the logo across the kit was something I wanted even before it happened. I've been thinking about that for years, and they finally did it, and I loved it. The grading on the shoulders, all of it. It was clean. It was classy. I really liked it, and I got it right away. So I'm going to go with the home kit. It was definitely my favorite. The home blue is always going to be the most popular for sure because it's the blue one. For me, I'm in line with you guys on the away kit, the white away kit. But I really, really liked the Champions League version. One, because it's Champions League with the patch. But also they did the gray shoulders, which I thought was was really sleek. Again, there were so many. Of course, that Laurentiis puts his signature on the, Yo, <laughs> on the celebratory. What a guy. What a guy. Only the Laurentiis would do that. What is that? Only our, our God, I got see, I'm going to sign my own jersey and give it to you. <laughs> I, I, he put everybody on the box, but only him on the number. That's so funny. I can ship all these guys away, but I'll always be on this jersey. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right. So speaking of Delorentes, one thing I'm concerned about is how this season has really pumped his ego like i've mentioned a couple times now he keeps repeating how he said last summer that we're gonna try to win the scudetto and it actually happened that nobody believed them he's now talking about repeating as champions he's talking about winning the champions league 
Meanwhile, he also said he has a list of 49 coaches as potential replacements. For right next to the 26 team. buyers of the club, right? Yeah, right. yeah, exactly, which might just be him, you know, more pumping his ego. He might be toying with the media as well. But Biz, do you think he might be getting like a little bit overconfident given all the uncertainty around, you know, the sporting director, the coach, some key players? Well, here's the thing. He did say for the first time, like straight out that we were going to win the Scudetto this year, I feel like in the beginning of the season. So for that, I give it to him. Finally, you said it. You said, I want to win this trophy and look what happened. You know, we won it the year before that. He said, I want to return to top four and cut some wages. He did that. So he's always had an ego. I mean, even when he did less, he thought he was doing a whole lot more, but I think finally, after all the A16ers, after all the doubt, after all the Papone stuff, that I think he's entitled for a gassy head this season. But, you know, don't let it get to a point where it's going to blow up either. Don't let your ego get to the point where people are going to, like, kind of hate you again. So just enjoy the ride and keep on going with this cycle. Be smart about these signings. And I'm not really worried about anybody leaving either because we got rid of the whole spine last season nobody had us even in top four everybody was going nuts and now we won the scudetto so in my eyes napoli's just getting better and better and better and now we're starting to you know now with this trophy it kind of validates all this work and i think this is the start of uh something like a new evolution and something great for the club so let adl have it for this season fair enough and don't forget even before this scudetto we won about 20 scudetti of honesty so <laughs> yeah right just I year mean, after year they might even have to close the a16 because bodies <laughs> one draw away from promotion so both fan bases that were telling this guy to take the a16 to the other club right are now kind of eating their words <laughs> just close that highway altogether just close that highway right leave it alone <laughs> But okay, so let's move on to what what I thought was going to be one of our more difficult awards to hand out. But yeah, certainly best player was one of them. And this is our goal of the season. Now, I think most of us probably went through the highlights for the season and and realized there's probably 20 goals we can nominate for this category. So I'm going to list some of the ones that stood out to me the most. But you guys feel free to nominate whichever goals that you think deserve to be nominated. What I had in my list were... Osiman's winner in the first meeting against Roma, where he outmuscled Smalling and shot it across the face of the goal tight angle into the bottom corner. He also scored another really nice goal against Roma. That was sort of the chest to thigh to volley into the roof of the goal. Simeone scored a beautiful goal in that same match against Roma. The turn on Smalling left foot into the top corner. We had two amazing goals against Sassuolo. First, Cavada's solo run from midfield, and then he fires into the bottom corner. And then Osiman's shot from the crazy angle that caught Consigli off guard. Cavada had the insane slalom goal where he beat all of Atalanta's players, their bench, the fans, everybody. You know, the cameraman was looking the wrong way and before he scored that goal. And then finally, we had... Uh, I threw this one in there. I debated whether I should, but Di Lorenzo's goal against Frankfurt which was more about Cavada's sort of back heel assist right. in the area before he fired that one in. It just all looked good, so that, yeah. that gets a nom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pete, what was your goal of the season? So my goal of the season was Ross Fedori's winner against Juventus, just for everything that it meant. Obviously, you beat Juventus a second time in the season. Uh, you beat him at the end. And while at no point, really towards the end, Napoli winning the Scudetto was actually in doubt, they were kind of starting to trend downward and other teams were starting to trend upward, mainly Lazio. And, but that goal just kind of felt like to me, just like it's over. I don't have to worry about this anymore. Like Napoli are winning the Scudetto. So it's just, that's my number one goal this year. Absolutely. I think you and I are probably the two least optimistic Napoli fans out there. And even we couldn't deny it after that goal from Raspadori. It was like, okay, this is really happening. Biz, what about you? What was your favorite goal? Man, this is a really hard question because there were so <laughs> many beautiful goals this season. From Again, 18 goal scorers. You could pick any one of those. Man, I'm not going to pick Victor for a reason because I'm going to save this one for a future topic on this show. But I'm going to pick the Simeone goal 
against Liverpool in the Champions League because the emotion that came out of him really and it it kind of sucks because he was able to come on the field and get that goal because Victor got injured that game, right? And he came in in like the closing minutes of the first half and then he was he was able to score. So that sucks, but it really felt like a dream was going to come true. Like so many dreams were coming true for all these players. And I feel like now it's going to come for the fans. So for that, and the fact that it was a childhood dream, and I think that's a great thing for an athlete to achieve. I'm going to choose that based on the emotion alone and how much that really represented, you know, what everybody felt. I feel like for this team throughout the season. Yeah, um, that was an amazing, amazing amazing story with, you know, kissing that tattoo that he got yeah. when he was 13 years old or whatever right. it was. You know, the the emotion that he showed celebrating that goal, unbelievable moment. Uh, Everybody was, felt that, Joe. Everybody yeah. felt that. For, and it felt special. And I was like, wow. And he was a player that, going back to Pete's nominee for, for best player, despite him kind of breaking our hearts a few seasons ago, he, over the course of the season, just his attitude and how he embraced his role, and then you add all the contributions he made, he easily is one of Napoli fans' favorite players now, right? Just an amazing, amazing addition to the team. Carm, what about you, uh, best goal of the season? So I'm torn. I'm really torn because there's two that I really like, and these are objective ones. Objective because of the fact that visually and what they mean. So the first one was the Victor Osimhen goal away versus Roma, cross off the chest, knee, bang. Like that's a Puskas winning goal, to be honest with you, to be in such close quarters and, and score like that. But it doesn't win. The second one that I also really enjoyed for the meaning was Raspadori's goal versus Spezia right at the end, where early on in the season, typically that's a game we lose your tie 100% in years past. And then just seeing the shift in mentality from the team at Raspadori just burying it in. And that's the moment that clicked with me that this team is different. This is not the same Napoli that I'm used to watching. So that's special. But the most the most special goal for me was from the same Roma match, Simeone's goal, for a bunch of different reasons. First of all, it was my first time traveling abroad by myself, just in New York with a bunch of friends all around me in, in this big location, all Napoli fans. And there's a story that goes along with it where mm -hmm. I actually got the notification on uh -huh. before it happened. Yeah, you did. And right beside me. So sitting right beside me is Rafarispo. And then it was Biz. And then Pete was right behind me. And then Gaetano beside me. Sereno right behind me. So I look, I, I get the notification on my phone. I'm the only one who sees it. So I look down and I look up and I, I nudge Raf and I go, Raf, we're going to score one right now. Watch this. I feel it. I feel it. We're going to score. I feel it. I know it. Mm -hmm. I, I'm like, we I came, we came all this way. Yeah, we like Miss Cleo, it. you know it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whole big event, you know, Tri-State, Washington, Philadelphia, Toronto. We've all come together. We're going to score. We're going to win this game. I know yeah. it. All of a sudden, I see Simeone turn, bang, hits the back of the net. I've never seen someone be so elated before in their life. He, we both jump up on each other, and then he just grabs my head and just starts shaking. He goes, what? What? How did you I played a little trick on him, but just seeing that place erupt, and I mean breaking the sound barrier yeah. erupt, and the festivities that ensued after that will always hold a special place in my heart. I'll never forget that moment. Props for if you're not spoiling it, though. Like, that's hard not to celebrate the fact that you know, like, a little bit ahead. Oh. Only people in, like, the direct vicinity kind of had a quote. Yeah. Well, not really spoiled, but pretend spoiled. Yeah. But I didn't know. I didn't know he looked at his phone. I, I yeah, legitimately thought he guessed that's, that they're going to, we're going to score right now. <laughs> and we did. I was like, oh my God, Carmine, you called it. The place did erupt. I mean, it was intense. And then. Later on, he told me it was the phone. But I, I think even just for that moment, who cares? Because it still felt magical. So, I mean, it was a magical moment for everyone, right? Just as was the season. Uh, we won't mention where you guys watched the match. Instead, we'll give a shout-out to Chiro at uh, you know, the song. In song in yeah, yeah. Great shout guy. Love that guy. Amazing guy. Let me just run through quickly some of the other incredible goals just to 
take people down uh, memory lane from this season. First of all, Cavada, I, I had forgotten how dominant he was in the first couple games of the season. The guy like just banging in goals. He probably had the nicest miss of the season too with the spin move and then he smashed the upright against Lazio, if you guys remember that one. Simeone's headed winner against Milan. Incredible moment. You know, another one of those kind of early indications that something special is going on here, even though we didn't want to believe it back then. There was Osiman's hat trick in the first meeting against Sassuolo. Cavada had a nice goal in that one as well. Udinese, we had a couple nice goals. You know, Elmas had the one where he cut in and then dragged the ball to the near post and scored. Against Salernitana, Di Lorenzo scored a completed kind of a really nice team move. I think it was Nguisa and Lobotka that played a give and go on the left wing and then crossed it to the far post and Di Lorenzo smacks it into the bar or underside of the bar. At the game against Spezia, the crazy vertical leap by Osimen where the ball just went straight up in the air and he just, you know, I think I think it was Drangovsky that was in goal. I, I could be wrong, but he flies up there and heads it in. The goal we mentioned earlier from Di Lorenzo against Inted, that, that left-footed curler into the top corner again. Who would have known that was our right back? And Gisa spinning volley in that match as well was another pretty... I mean, maybe Onana could have done better, but crazy shot. And then just the final round of the season. We didn't review the Sampdoria match, but I tweeted out, I'm just going to watch Simeone's goal on repeats for the next couple of months because that was one of the sweetest hits you're ever going to see. I was in the middle of a sentence. I was talking to somebody, and I'm watching the screen. I see the ball going in the net. I'm like, wait, we scored? I'm like, I didn't even believe that it just happened. It was beautiful. Yeah. Unbelievable goal. And then there was a couple of great goals in the Champions League as well. There was the, you guys might remember this one, Raspadori's header against Ajax, where he was yeah. kind of like leaning away. I don't even know how he contorted his body to get this header into the, the far post. And then the the Air Victor goal that uh, Biz was mentioning earlier against Frankfurt outleaped Ronaldo or whatever it was. So, yeah, tough, tough category. I don't know how I'm going to fit all that into one twitter poll but you know we'll deal with that (laughs) when the when the episode posts okay we have two awards left i want to close on a positive so let's first do our biggest disappointment of the season and then we'll choose our favorite moment of the season a couple of which i think were already mentioned it's hard really to find anything disappointing about this season when you win your first scudetto in 33 years but We'll find some, some, yeah, yeah, exactly. Between us and, or I could just do like a Twitter search. I'm sure we'll find lots of complaints over there. (laughs) Here's what I've come up with. I mean, the first one, I have the exit, the early exit from the Coppa Italia, which let's be honest, no one really cared about that. But that said, if you look at how the bracket set up for us, not knowing what we were going to win yet, we easily could have made the final and who knows, potentially we would have done the double this year had we made it to the final. So I, I put, you know, the exit from the Coppa Italia. We had the 4-0 defeat to Milan at the Maradona. Shortly after that, I mean, you can maybe combine the two or you can treat them separately, but we were eliminated from Milan in the quarterfinals of the Champions League when a lot of people were picking us. Finally, when we're the favorites, then we go lose. We had the 90 points, which, again, probably not something anyone's too fussed about considering how the season went, and we kind of coasted at the end there. But we didn't break Maurizio Sadi's points record. And then, of course, we had the departure of Luciano Spalletti. Biz, what was the most disappointing for you? Oh, for me, Joe, certainly was the defeat at home 4-0 to against Milan right before the Champions League. To me... Honestly, I enjoyed the whole season. Win, lose, or draw, I enjoyed watching Napoli. I enjoyed ADL not meddling so much, staying relatively quiet, and Spalletti being able to kind of be a good middleman between the administration, the team, the fans, and politically just doing everything correct and speaking professionally and including everybody. But that moment was terrible. I mean... Everybody flexing muscles. It wasn't just the ultras. It was ADL. It was the city. It was everybody. Because you got to understand, all right, the team lost, fine. But everything that was surrounded by that game, and I think everything that happened after that game, it was just this breakdown in mentality. And, Joe, I remember we we spoke a little bit uh, earlier today, and and I was saying that a a friend of mine um, 
who is casual, you know, watcher. He, he watches Napoli because he's my friend, you know. So he was saying, Napoli's in form. They're going all the way. You'll see. And I told him, hold your horses. Wait a minute. Some of this is uncharted waters. And I still need to know exactly where Napoli's head is at, you know, because these are big moments with what was going on between the politics of the Kurva A, the Kurva B, Kurva B fighting, Kurva A being silent. They get in their flags and banners and noisemakers getting taken away while Milan fans are in the away section, you know, with their flags and drums and things cheering on their team. We gave so much momentum to Milan. We gave them such a boost in confidence and we basically gave them the mental edge. Now, I'm not saying that's why we didn't go past them in Champions League, but it didn't help. It really didn't help. I th- I mean, I thought we played okay against Milan, all things considering after that. But the fact is, is that we gave them a mental edge. That was something that Napoli had all season, and that's why I was so confident, was that mental edge. They were tough. They were going to fight back. Even when they were down or something's getting tied, they were going to come back and find a way to win the game. And that's what gave me so much confidence in this team. But when I saw what happened there, I knew we were in trouble as far as Champions League goes. And in fact, you know, our form wasn't even that great. I mean, there were some injuries and things. So like all things considering, it was a bad moment. But it was a really embarrassing display as far as mentality goes for the city, for the fans, for the president, for the club for everybody. And that was my worst moment this season. Yeah, certainly a dark spot on on the season. And on top of that, we have probably the cringiest photo ever taken to commemorate all of that <laughs> between De Laurentiis and, and the Ultras. Carm, what was your uh, most disappointing thing from the season? Funny enough, the most disappointing game isn't the 4-0 loss because there was a part of me that believed Spalletti, in some weird way, sharked Pioli. Like he just he wanted them to win that game before going into the Champions League. Because if you looked at that game and then the first game, first leg Champions League, two different teams that showed up on the pitch. So in a way, uh, I was I was pissed. <laughs> like don't get me wrong, losing four 0 to Milan is I'm not a happy camper at the end of the day. But there was a part of me that believed that I'm like the Napoli that showed up that game that wasn't dumb. Those are shell of them. They didn't want to give away all their cards. The most disappointing one was the game after, was believing that, okay, they didn't want to show their cards. They kind of took that game a little bit easier just based off their performance. And you go out to Milan, and within the first 30 seconds, you eat a goal. You eat uh, – it was 30 centimeters from the line, and they ate it. And right from that moment, I'm like, oh, this game's not going to go the way we want it to go. And losing, even though we performed well away in a Champions League quarterfinal against, let's face it, a great Champions League team. They know how to play knockout football. Losing that game really deflated me because after all that, you lost. Sure, you may have given them the mental edge. You could have won it back by beating them away in the Champions League. You come back to the, the Maradona, the game changes. Losing that game. To me, I knew we were out from that. I, I didn't really feel like we were ever going to get back in because Pioli kind of figured out how to play specifically Fadetskelia and cut off Lobotka from the game. And those are the two big things in Napoli's attack are those two guys. And yeah, just not being able to get it done in Milan and taking that game from the get-go, which we should have, that really deflated me and kind of sealed the fate for the Champions League. Yeah, I do get the psychology of losing that return fixture at the Maradona. I mean, nobody really loses on purpose, but Pioli would not shut up about the first leg. About every interview he gave after that match, oh, we deserve better, we deserve better. Actually, every coach, every time we beat a team, every coach felt like they deserved better, <laughs> despite yeah. us finishing the season 16-point clear of our nearest rival. So I, I don't know, maybe they're watching something else. But yeah, maybe there was a bit of gamesmanship in that, okay, you know, if we beat them again, that's going to make them even hungrier to beat us in the Champions League. But obviously it didn't go as planned, and Spalletti did get a bit outcoached by Pioli in that tie. Pete, what about you? What was the most disappointing for you this season? 
Uh, it was definitely the Champions League exit. You know, never say never because a couple years ago I wasn't even sure if I'd ever see a Napoli Scudetto in my lifetime, but I can't foresee an easier path to the Champions League finals for Napoli than we had this year. You know, we missed that chance at the beginning. You know, the game before was the 4-1 loss. It just felt really deflating all in all, you know, them and their stupid DNA. Like, honestly, like the 4 nothing loss to Milan, I don't even, like, I kind of forgot it happened until you brought it up in the thing. Just because the season, you know, you think about. But that Champions League, it sticks with you. And, yes, they missed, like, Victor in the first leg and Kim was suspended. But Kavara had a bunch of opportunities that he just whiffed them. And it just was super disappointing. And I will say, I am glad, though, that they lost in the Coppa Italia because that would have meant we'd had to play Milan two more times. And I couldn't handle that. We even made no a rule. More Milan. We, we even made a, a rule in our club that we're just we're not doing any more meets for Napoli and Milan. We're zero and four, so we're just, we're done now. No more Napoli Milan meets. It'll be like a remote Tifosi kind of. <laughs> <laughs> it's a remote day for uh, Tri-State Napoli Club yeah, and Napoli Milan. Go in your bunkers and just pray. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a very Napolitano thing to do, right? Like, okay, clearly we're our meeting up is causing these defeats, so we're right. gonna. We're going to nip that one in the butt. But yeah, I completely agree. You look at the way the draw worked out this year. If there was ever a year to make it to the final, I mean, winning the final was always going to be difficult. Although I would say Napoli, the way we play, gave us the best chance of beating whoever we would have met in the final. And I think this was probably also disappointing, not just for Napoli fans, but just for football fans. Because one of the best things about this season for us, and we'll get to you know our favorite moments, but... One of the best things about this season was that it felt like we got a lot of European recognition from how well we played in the Champions League. Right? Everyone was just so fond of the style, the positive football that we played, which, you know, if you're not a big follower of Italian football, you might still think that Italian, you might still associate Italian football with Catanaccio and defensive sit back, maybe counterattack. So to see that brand of football that is so attractive we were really getting a lot of support from other fan bases just because they liked football. It's also a fresh face, Joe, right? I mean, like you don't see Napoli often and so deep and things. So, you know, on top of the, the good football as well. So I think it was refreshing for a lot of football fans to see a team like Napoli. Also, we're not, again, we're not owned by a, a big conglomerate or a country, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. like, or a Royal family or anything, but you know, we're just like these little guys that are, working our hardest so i think people can relate to that and maybe that's why they become a fan or at least they cheer for us in those moments but i think the same thing can be said also within Serie. like pretty much anyone who was not an inter juve or milan fan we're kind of hoping for napoli just as the representative of everyone else right okay so let's close with something far more positive which is our favorite moment of the season which may be similar to our favorite goals, but it doesn't have to be a goal. It could be anything, really. So I'm not even going to give any nominations. I'll just open this up to you guys to pick whatever your favorite moment of the season was. I will say picking winning the Scudetto is cheating, so that you can't pick. Yeah, yeah, um, that's not, <laughs> not too easy. For me, my favorite moment was Zelinski's reaction when we beat Juventus one nothing because he was just he was all of us in that moment you're trying to fall to the ground you know put your arms out and you look up and the job's done it's finished we've all waited all so long for Napoli to finally win the Scudetto I feel like that was just the entire city's reaction was just kind of fall back and just look up and it's done it's finished it's over we can breathe again so that that was my favorite that was an amazing, amazing moment. I mean, one of the few players that remained from the 2017-18 team, right? It was like him and Mario Rui, maybe. Yeah, and everybody knows how I feel about Zelinski. You know, I'm a big fanboy, but he, with everyone talking about the leagues, you know, the Premier League and all that stuff, like he picked us over Liverpool. Players don't do that, and he's just been super loyal. And, I, you know, I've seen this year he's been getting a lot of praise, and I'm really happy for him. I think he... It's probably our one of our more underrated players. So yeah, I'm and, and he still praise. wants to stay. So 
the latest reports, I mean, he was again rumored to potentially be leaving to go to the Premier League, and now the reports are that he's going to take a pay cut just to stay. The other day, they revealed the new Morales in Napoli, and he went and he was chanting with the fans. So, yeah, he already yeah, leave now. He just won the Scudetto. Now you get to bask in it. Don't yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, let's go to Biz. I don't know if it's a moment, but I guess it was the Roma game, the second leg, January 29th. We win 2-1. We come back after they tie. Why was it my favorite moment? Carmine did mention it a little bit earlier. It was the day that you know a large contingency of fans throughout America did meet up for the first time. And you know these are people who speak to each other almost every day. And, and it's so weird because we speak to each other every day, and then here we are face-to-face. And it feels so as if, like, again, you've kind of seen these people before, even though it was the first time. The excitement about all that and then to watch Napoli win the way they won, to me, a lot of people thought that the Juve game kind of, like, solidified it for them. And that's fine if you have that opinion. It was an important win. But this Roma win, to me, I feel like it's it sealed the deal a little bit in my eyes. Uh, we went 13 points clear. The first goal was Rui to Cavada to Osinhem. The second goal, Di Lorenzo Zelinski to Simeone. I mean, you can't ask for a better story or those players, like the maybe six most important players on the field to contribute to that. I thought was really special. And it seemed to me as if at that moment, you know, they broke through that again that those chains that were holding down their mentality and i feel like they broke through that that day and, and solidified their position as champions of the league that was the day i think everybody i don't want to say they knew i don't want to say they knew but they were pretty damn sure that day like if we go like this we got this one in the bag and from that point on i guess it was all downhill and, you know, we became champions. There were so many of those special moments throughout the season. And again, whether we wanted to believe it or we were too scared to believe it because we thought we would jinx it or whatever the reason was, mm-hmm. there were these hints along the way. Stefan El Sharawi was the guy that scored the equalizer. Yeah. Last season, he was the guy that kind of killed our hopes. And for Carmen and I, we, we at the Napoli Club, TFC Media had joined us because they were making a docuseries about Insignia who scored in that game and it was incredible. And then El Shirawi comes on and ruins everything. And so, you know, the same guy ties the game in this match, but this time Simeone scores the winner. And again, something different was happening at Napoli this season. Carm, you've had a couple extra minutes now. Did you come up with uh, something special? The thing is the things I came up with were already discussed. (laughs) That's okay. I had same with me. (laughs) I'm going to go with something else, but I'm going to, feedback on Raph's thing and really drive home the point that that day was unlike any other Napoli game I've ever experienced. Just being, like he said, we've talked to each other every day through message. And when I get there, it's like we've known each other for, well, we have. It's like we've known each other for years. And actually being face-to-face with people you interact with on a daily basis, and then you're all there for the same reason and you see the results and that's the day for me i i said it that day i think i said it to gaitano and i said it to Rispo. i told them specifically outright we're winning the scudetto and that's the day i said it i confirmed them like we're winning the league there's no other way we just saw it right now simeone in the 83rd minute just banging in a goal like that and breaking the deadlock we, we won that's it so for that reason it's one of the special moments but i think the other one was was it after the juve game on the flight home, where everyone's at Capo di Kino, all the fans. It was after the UV game. It was after the UV game, right? That one, I mean, I was watching it vicariously through Instagram lives where all the players were going live. That's right. And and I'll be honest with you, I was crying. I was crying in my room watching <laughs> it in the Instagram lives. Because that's like, even though I knew a while back, it was solidified, yeah, we're going to win the league. I think we're going to win the league. I'm confident that we're going to win the league. Seeing that happen, thousands of flares, mopeds, Vespas, cars, just weaving in and out of traffic, following the bus, 
and the the reception that they got at Capo de Gino was like that was special. I wish I was there. Obviously, yeah, everyone wishes that they were there for that moment. Uh, yeah, Cavallo on the roof wearing the the yeah. cowboy yeah. hat. You see, <laughs> Dombele's smile, which is a rare occasion. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think that was his only one. <laughs> so, yeah. seeing like them embrace the fact that this is what it's going to be and seeing the elation from everyone around them, including the team, that was special. That was something once in a lifetime, truly. Absolutely. Yeah, those are all all amazing moments. I'll add a couple. I mean, some that were already mentioned, uh, some that were linked to the ones that you guys just mentioned a moment ago. I mean, Raspadori's goal against Juventus, again, kind of the final stamp on what we all kind of knew was happening. I also mentioned what was Biz's favorite goal, which was the uh, Simeone goal or best goal, Simeone's goal in the Champions League, and that whole story about you know kissing the tattoo. There's also the five-one win over Juve. You know how could we not the first meeting against Juventus would oh. just like but, I don't know ninety moments, it, right? Like it, every minute of that match was a, a special moment. Funny <laughs> story on that. Can I quick? So yeah. we that was a weekday match. It was a Friday afternoon. And we're texting we're, our club, me, Serrano, Danny. We're texting in our executive group chat. We're like, guys, are we going to do a meet? Are we not? It's a Friday afternoon. Who's going to come out? On a Wednesday, I'm like, we're doing the meet. We're just going to go watch it. And whoever shows up, shows up. And we had a good turn. I was like 25 people who showed up. And I th- to me, out of all of our meets in Toronto, that was our best meet. It was the most fun we had ever had in our lives. We were, had flags singing. We're jumping on chairs. <laughs> like we're, it was music blaring in the background. That game to me just on a whim to go watch it. It's Best. always a good day when you beat Juve, right? Oh I mean, yeah, that's just that's <laughs> default. That's default good day. Yeah. I called off sick off work so I could watch that game. But yeah, it's funny, I'm Joe. I'm like you. Like we talked about how we're more pessimistic. It was the first Napoli game in years that I got to sit and actually enjoy. Like we're up like <laughs> like 31 on Juve. Like this is amazing. They scored the fifth goal. I just laughed. Like what are you gonna do? Like it's just great. You know, in Italy, they have this. They love to talk about this concept of sofferenza, right? Where you know you have to suffer sometimes in games. And I don't know a fan that suffers more than Pete does when we win as much as we do. <laughs> just, <laughs> I can't. I, don't, I, I just don't enjoy Napoli games. It's just stressful. I don't. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Let me just throw in a couple. Going back to me being the hipster today, a, a couple of moments that I loved from this season. I think you guys will actually agree with these. They're not super hipstery. But uh, one was Kim's block on Brahim Diaz in the Milan match. And just that picture where his leg is like higher than uh, Brahim's head. And and then the celebration like he scored after that beautiful moment. Again, one of those moments where you fall in love with a player. And then my favorite, which maybe is a bit hipster, was during the Sassuolo match. I think it was the first meeting against them. We had a corner kick. And I think Cavada was the guy that took it short, but he, he kind of misplayed it. He played it straight to a Sassuolo player. They immediately counterattack, and all 10 Napoli players sprinted back at the same time. I've never, ever seen anything like it. Even Spalletti, I think, said he's never seen anything like that, and we ended up recovering the ball. And it was like not a flashy goal or anything. It was just a really cool moment where I think we all saw like what, the players wanted and and what they knew they were capable of so for me that was a really special moment this season but i mean there were so many there's probably a whole bunch that we missed for any of the listeners by all means reach out if there's anything that we missed on the episode we'll definitely include that when i post the uh, the polls on twitter i feel like we created a whole lot of memes this season right napoli yeah. did right i mean a whole lot but like a whole lot of good ones mm-hmm. yeah absolutely All right, that is this absolutely flew by. It's a bit of a longer episode, but I think everyone's going to enjoy it. But that is all we have time for today. Biz, I'll start with you. Thank you for coming on. Uh, Pleasure's all mine, Joe. Thank you so much. And uh, always good to be here with you. And of course, with Carmine and Peter, too. Absolutely. You can find Biz on Twitter at RafBiz, and you can find the Napoli Rant at Napoli Rant. Carm, thank you for coming on. Oh, it's always a pleasure. I love coming on here. I'm talking football and culture with all you guys. And yeah, can't wait to do it again soon. Absolutely. Yeah, there's nothing more fun than just reliving this incredible season that we had. Uh, you can find Carm on Twitter at t.tfozo, and you can find the Napoli Club Toronto 
at Napoli Club TO. And finally, Pete, always a pleasure to have you on. Oh, the pleasure is always mine. I, lo- I love coming on and talking to you guys about Napoli. It's so much fun. Absolutely. You can find Pete on Twitter at babysquid underscore 19. Again, if you want to know that story, let me know. <laughs> I'll fill you in on all the details behind the Twitter handle. And you can find the Tri-State Napoli Club at Tri underscore Napoli Club. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5. And you can find the podcast at Forza Napoli Pod. Keep an eye out on the Twitter page for the Forza Napoli Award polls. You can also find more content on our website at ForzaNapoliPress.com. I will be back in about a week or so. I think I finally accepted that the Primavera have been relegated. At the same time, I'm thrilled that the Feminila have been promoted. So I'll finally fill everybody in on all those details for anyone who's interested. But until then, I'm Joe Fischetti, Forza Napoli Sempre. Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over a hundred social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.